opinions expressed on this program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and not necessarily those of Salem Communications, staff, management, or advertisers. Activist Radio is on the air. You have tuned in to the Mark Harrington Show, sponsored by Created Equal. Mark is training a new generation of leaders to take on the culture of death and win. You don't like abortion, don't have one. The only thing that can be said to be objective truth is that there is no objective truth. It does come out in one piece. It comes out in one piece. I would argue that we certainly are not all created equal. And now, here's Mark. What if abortionists use guns? That's the question I want to ask you today. What if abortionists use guns to abort babies in the womb? Would we care more if they use guns? You're listening to Mark Harrington here, your radio activist on The Mark Harrington Show. And folks, if you want to find out more about our program, go to markharrington.org. I'm also the president of Created Equal, the pro-life organization based here in the Midwest. And so, you know, we've been uh, watching this whole thing unfold out of El Paso and Dayton, Ohio. Uh, this this mass shooting once again, and uh, the typical reactions from our political leaders and the media and so forth, basically blaming everybody but the person who perpetrated the crime. Uh, you know, the leftist media wants to blame Trump. They want to blame, and then the conservatives want to blame video games and the culture and, and so on and so forth. But uh, very few people are blaming the guy who did it, <laughs> you know. So I'm not going to go into this whole debate over gun control. That's not what we're going to do here on the Mark Harrington Show today. Uh, we listened to this ad nauseum over the decades, and it seems like nothing changes, right? Uh, these things are going to continue to go on in a country that uh, solves its problems using violence. That's just the bottom line. Because violence begets violence. And when a nation condones the mass slaughter of innocent preborn babies, we shouldn't be shocked that the violence will spill over into the streets. Because Americans now for over 45 years, almost 50 years, have been solving their problems when it comes to a problem pregnancy or crisis pregnancy or unwanted pregnancy by killing babies. So we understand that if we turn to violence to solve these problems here, we'll often turn to violence over here to solve other problems. So, I mean, if there is a cause, the cause is that we have forgotten God, that we've abandoned his principles. We don't believe in him like we used to. Uh, we've, we've forfeited virtue and all of that. And that has everything to do with the shootings. But uh, so I'm not going to go into this today. You know, people are blaming everybody but the vic but, but the actual perpetrator. We're not talking even about the victims. Uh, it's all a political charade to me. But I want to do today is talk about graphic images or images of violence, images of abortion violence, and how those can be effective in the public square and changing hearts and minds. Uh, there's overwhelming anecdotal evidence now and historical precedent for the use of victim imagery and video to change public opinion. Uh, it, it's almost 
undisputable now that these types of images have a very uh, large uh, place in the, our public debate on social injustice, especially when it comes to abortion. I think uh, years ago, there used to be a, a pretty vigorous debate over whether we should be using the victim photos of abortion in uh, our public displays and protests and outreach and stuff. Well, that's kind of died off. And, and the reason for that is that the, it's just no longer really debatable, I think. Uh, but still, at, even at this point, now 46 years into this Holocaust, Few people in our movement are willing to use them. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit. But what I want to do first is, and the reason why this came to my attention this week is because popular radio host and pro-life celebrity Ben Shapiro, who has a daily podcast, uh, talked about the use of graphic abortion video and uh, static images. And he came out in support of them. And which is, you know, I obviously I think that's the right position to take. But it's interesting uh, that Ben Shapiro has done this. He's a pro-life activist, so to speak. But much of the pro-life movement won't take the same stand. So what I want to do here, I'm going to play this clip. This is Ben Shapiro on his podcast where he explains the process he went through in uh, in advocating or at least believing that a use of abortion victim imagery in the public uh, square is an effective way of changing people's hearts and minds. So go ahead and play that clip. Just it's 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 truly incredible to me the, the way that we can blind ourselves to this. I remember when I was at the I was at the 2012 DNC and uh, and I, I went to, you know, it was in Charlotte and I walked past an exhibit and it was a picture is is the is the anti-abortion crowd, the pro-life crowd. And they were out the there with with these pictures of aborted babies and I walked past and I That's thought a... what most people from big cities thought. I thought, "Wow, how gauche." How gauche. I mean, those are ugly pictures. Should I really have to look at that in the public square? That's really ugly. And then I realized that that's probably how people treated pictures of slavery back in the 1850s. That's probably how people treated pictures of the Holocaust back in the 1940s. The bottom line is, if it's that ugly, maybe you should do something about it instead of whining about how ugly it is. And it's not a matter of personal choice. Okay, I have a stake in whether my neighbor gets murdered. And I have a stake in whether my neighbor's baby gets murdered, too. Just it's... it's Exactly. So that's Ben Shapiro on his podcast uh, several days ago talking about his experience with abortion victim imagery. He was at the DNC, the Democrat National Convention in Charlotte, uh, North Carolina in 2012. By the way, that was our display that he walked by. So uh, we, we've been at the we go to these conventions with our uh, pro-life uh, outreach uh, every four years. So He's come around to the conclusion that if it's ugly, you should do something about it. And that's the point. I mean, it's not just ugly. It's wrong. Uh, it's, this isn't like, you know, heart surgery or something that might make us feel queasy inside. That That's true. The sight of blood often makes uh, us feel kind of woozy and so forth. Uh, and it's ugly. It's not pretty to look at. But that's really not the point. Uh, heart surgery doesn't make me feel guilty. It doesn't shame me. It doesn't make me feel bad or compel me to stop heart surgeries from happening. But images of injustice, people being killed, whether by abortion or other things, make us feel responsible if we're complicit or complacent in the act. And so it's not just really about it being ugly. There are a lot of ugly things that make us feel bad. 
uh, or uneasy. It's really to make us feel guilty, and they should, and they should. So, you know, the fact is abortion is an act of violence. It kills a baby, and that Americans should be exposed to that visual evidence. Why? Because it's the public policy of the land. And as long as it's the public policy of the land, it ought to be shown publicly. And so what I want to do here, I'm going to uh, very quickly go through a series of, uh, I guess, proofs, if you will, historically for the use of victim imagery in changing public opinion. Uh, just to kind of uh, strengthen the case for the use of abortion victim photography and video in the public square. So I'm going to go through these fairly quickly. Uh, this is really uh, indisputable that uh, historically social reformers have used dramatic images to make their case. The first one is in regards to child labor, child labor. Lewis Hine in 1906 was hired by the National Child Labor Committee which sponsored a video or a photo exhibit called the Breaker Boys. And it shows uh, young boys in the coal mines separating shale from coal. Uh, and, and in that, obviously, it was very unhealthy and a lot of them got sick and some died. So Lewis Hine traveled the country with this, uh, this, this display. And it had a lot to do with changing the laws on child labor. Uh, additionally, when we look at the issue of uh, animal rights, we see animal rights activists using uh, photos of animals being mistreated. PETA, we know the people for the ethical treatment of animals commonly do this. They have an exhibit they take around the country on college campuses that show that uh, sometimes that animals are mistreated. So even the animal rights activists as loony as some of them are, uh, understand the use of graphic images to make their point is effective. Obviously, when it comes to war, anti-war images, wars that have been, uh, or, or uh, protesters have commonly used images of war to make their point. And of course, we, we go back to the Vietnam War uh, generally, and we remember the uprisings in America, the, the protests, some of them violent, actually, in protest of the Vietnam War. In 1968, this photograph was taken, a photograph was taken in Saigon after a North Vietnamese forces started the Tet Offensive. The Tet Offensive was the turning point in that war. And uh, there's a picture of this man with a handgun who was South Vietnamese. He was on our side, pointed at the head of a helpless prisoner. And this was one of many images that came out of that war that changed public opinion on the Vietnam War. When we think about the Holocaust, uh, and, and Ben Shapiro mentioned this, images of the Holocaust that came out afterwards, unfortunately, uh, it was too late to change opinion on that. But these photographs were taken by the US Army. In fact, Dwight Eisenhower commissioned the Army to take photographs of dead Jews, and he arranged them like cordwood for photographers in order to make the case that it should never happen again. He didn't want people to forget what happened. So what he did is he actually uh, commissioned photographers to go into death camps like Auschwitz and Buchenwald 
after the liberation of the camps. And he paraded the citizens by those death camps and made them look at the, the uh, Jews that were killed. And so there's a lot of famous images of those as well. When we think about the war on terror and 9-11, if, if it weren't that we saw the planes flying into the towers over and over and over again on television, I submit to you, we would not gone into Afghanistan. We probably would not have gone into Iraq uh, and, and fought the war on terror. This galvanized public opinion because we saw the planes go into the towers. We saw people jumping out of those towers, horrifically landing on the ground. I mean, it was, a, it was an awful day, but Americans needed to see what happened. And then when it comes to the civil rights movement, the story of Emmett Till, Emmett Till, if you haven't heard the story of Emmett Till, really a turning point in the civil rights movement. And this was just a story of a young boy. He was 15 years old in the summer of 1955. Emmett Till lived with his mother in Chicago and he wanted to go visit his great uncle in Money, Mississippi uh, before he started school in September. And his mother uh, sent him on his way, but he wanted to make sure that Emmett did a couple things. And the first thing is he told, she told Emmett not to speak to uh, a white person unless they speak to you. He said, don't look at a white person. So she was giving him warnings. She said, step off the sidewalk if a white person comes your way. And when you go buy a piece of bubble gum, which was his favorite treat, never put the penny into the hand of a white clerk because black doesn't touch white in money, Mississippi, 1955. And so she sent him there, but unfortunately, Emmett didn't follow those rules. And um, he made some uh, inappropriate uh, comments to a white clerk, female clerk. And Emmett was taken by gunpoint uh, a couple of days later, murdered. And then his, his body was tied around a gin fan and thrown into the Ch Tallahatchie River. And when his body was retrieved, uh, it was uh, obviously gruesome, and what the uh, coroner wanted to do was seal the casket. They wanted to seal the casket in Money, Mississippi. Why? Obviously, they didn't want the American people to see how people, how African American boys were treated in the South. So they tried to nail the thing shut, and Mamie Till, uh, Emmett's mother, refused to do that and said that she wanted to have an open casket funeral. She shipped the body in the casket to Chicago where she had an open casket funeral for her son. And a lot of the media asked her, why would she do that? I mean, it's just awful. If, you, if my son were killed in this way, I would have a very hard time wanting to have an open casket funeral for him because his body was so mutilated. But she chose to do it anyway because she believed that the American, need, American people needed to see racial up, injustice up front. And she fought with the media a little bit on that and explained how important it was that the casket be opened to racial injustice. This, this image of Emmett Till and the casket changed America uh, for good. And, and it really uh, kind of uh, made a consensus against racial injustice. 50,000 people walked by this casket, the open casket funeral for Emmett Till, and it was 
uh, also uh, put in several publications, including Jet Magazine. So this image made its way throughout the media and Americans for really the first time saw what how African-Americans were treated in the South. So these are just a few examples of how uh, social reformers have used uh, horrific imagery to make their case, whether they were anti-war uh, reformers, whether they were uh, child labor reformers and, and so forth, use, using these also for educating on the Holocaust, drug abuse as well. Uh, I didn't mention that one, but uh, uh, lots of, uh, they're using pictures of people that have taken meth amphetamines. We also see pictures now uh, appearing on cigarette packs of diseased lungs and so forth. Uh, once again, almost everybody outside of the pro-life movement uses or has used graphic imagery, uh, victim imagery to make their case, to change public opinion. But for some reason, we are hesitant to do that. And I'll submit to you there's a couple reasons for that. First of all, it's not because they don't work. I think we all know they do. Uh, intuitively, we know they do. We Anecdotally, we know they do with all the testimonies we've had, all the saved lives, the changed hearts and minds. And then, of course, historically, we know they do. The main reason I think people don't use them is because it costs them something to show them. I think we're under the impression commonly that we need to be liked in order to be effective. Uh, and and that should be, it doesn't work that way. Social reformers that are liked are rarely effective. Uh, and, and so we know that throughout history. Many of them, uh, it costs their lives, like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He wasn't liked until it was all over, right? Until he had the reforms that he asked for. So social reformers are never going to be liked, and like reformers are rarely effective. And so we got to get by or, or past this notion that we need to be liked or cool or popular to be effective. In fact, I think there's almost an inverse relationship between those two. The more disliked you are, the more li the more effective you are. Uh, I know you're not going to get the platforms. You're not going to get invited to the banquets. You're not going to get uh, the speaking opportunities and the FaceTime on TV. You're not going to be get on Fox News and all that kind of thing. But those are things that we ought to be willingly be willing to lay down or set aside for the greater goal of exposing this injustice. I chose that a long time ago. I realized if I went a, a different route and stopped showing abortion victim imagery in, uh, uh, on public, uh, in public squares and colleges and high schools and overpasses and all the other places we do it, that I could get audiences easily. But once I started showing them, I realized that uh, I wasn't going to. And that was something I was willing to, to do in order to be more effective because it's about changing hearts and minds on abortion and not being popular uh, because the two don't go together. If you're going to be anti-abortion and you're going to be strongly anti-abortion, you're not going to be liked by the popular culture. And you're also likely not going to be liked by your own movement. I mean, that's just the way it works. And so we had to ban this idea that uh, being liked equals being effective. Uh, you, you're going to speak to the choir. You might have a very strong presence on social media and so forth, but it's unlikely that you're going to be impacting the culture very well. Uh, so that's really the main reason, in my opinion, why people don't use these things. They want to be popular or cool or liked uh, in order and rather than being effective. I mean, 
bottom line is we understand that it does uh, offend people, right? I mean, these photos are going to offend. They're going to offend because people kill babies. And those who kill babies are complicit in it. And when they're exposed to what they've done, they often are upset about it and they may not like you. That's just how it works, right? You, no one's offended by a picture of a Jew who's been killed by the, in the Holocaust because that was long ago and far away. That's been 50, 60 years ago. No one's offended by that anymore because nobody's out trying to, to execute Jews. But we live in a culture where, where babies are being executed uh, in mass numbers and people are responsible for that. So if you expose their their sin or their uh, their complicity in this, they're obviously not going to be happy. So we hear the objections that people are going to turn away if we use abortion victim photography. And, you know, I would rather them hate me and hate abortion. I, that's a trade-off I'm, I'm good with, folks. And I hope you are too. You are too. One of the other objections we often hear is that children will see the images. Well, I mean, obviously, if you're going to take these into the public square on a sidewalk somewhere in front of an abortion clinic or even on a college campus, children might come by and might be exposed to these photos. Well, let me be clear. We don't target children with these photos. It's not like we're taking them to a daycare or an elementary school. But we do realize if we're going to put them in, in public, that children are going to see them. We do, we do realize that. But that is a trade-off we are willing to take. I mean, unfortunately, because abortion is legal and abortion is, you know, claiming the lives of 2,600 uh, pre-born Americans every day, uh, it's happening. And we can ignore it and we can say, oh, because we don't want children to see it, we're going to hide it. We're going to cover it up. But that just perpetuates the killing. See, we're more pro-life than we are pro-feelings. We're more pro-life than we are pro-feelings. We care about people's feelings, especially children. We don't want them traumatized by the imagery, but we understand that we're more pro-life. Life trumps feelings. Offending a child or, 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 or upsetting a child compared to killing a child, I mean, there's just no comparison there. And we know that these images save lives. So by displaying them, we're saying li saving lives, but we may also be upsetting some of them. Let me, let me just finally say this on the issue of children. I've been doing this for 20 years. I have yet to see a child traumatized by these. They come up and they'll say, mommy, who hurt the baby? Or they'll say, mommy, who, who killed the baby? Or what happened to that baby? They don't really understand it, honestly. And, and who would? I mean, who, who kills babies anyway, right? I mean, a child's going to be troubled by that, but they want an explanation. And if they hear the right explanation, and that is that bad things happen in the world, the world has evil people, and people do horrible things. And if they have that explanation coming from the parent, and then the parents saying, that will never happen to you, Johnny or Susie, and that your mother and father are actually against that and we're defending them from this happening to them. They have the context then to be secure and understand now what is happening with babies. Um, the same is true with post-abortive parents. 
If these did not save lives, then yes, it would be wrong to display them because we're only harming po post-abortive women. But here's the thing. If we care about babies and we care about women having repeat abortions, then we know that displaying these can prevent them from having one, two, three, four, five abortions. And any kind of uh, messaging on abortion trigger them into thinking about the past abortion. I mean, the sound of a vacuum cleaner, it would sound like the vacuum aspirator, uh, a bumper sticker, many, many things could do that. So again, we're not out to traumatize or offend post-abortive women and men who have had abortions. We're here to prevent future harm for them and their babies. Now, finally, people will say, oh, what about shock? Well, listen, shock has value. We use shocking images to teach. So I'm unashamed by that. Uh, it, we are not coarsening, coarsening our culture by using abortion victim photography. Abortion is coarsening the culture itself. It's the killing of unborn babies that coarsen the culture, not the showing of the killing. So that's a little bit of a, 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 a uh, an explanation or uh, of how and why we use abortion victim photography in the public square. And we're going to continue to do it as long as babies are being killed. And so if you want to find out more, go to markharrington.org. We'll see you next time. God bless you. God bless America. And remember America to bless God. You've been listening to Mark Harrington, your radio activist. For more information on how to become a witness against the evil, evil plague in America, call Created Equal at 614-269-7808, 614-269-7808, or go online to createdequal.net, createdequal.net. Be sure to tune to The Mark Harrington Show next time for your marching orders in the culture war.